Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, but before we do, guys, it's Pi Day. Yes. Which is a... It's a math thing. It's a math thing. And math is hard, so <laughs> we normally like to make math better by incorporating pie with it. With dessert, yeah. With dessert. So it's if, if you don't know what that is, the, the number pie is 3.1415, et cetera, yeah. and yeah. so on. But so on March 14th, we celebrate Pie Day. In my, in my house, we definitely use it as an ex- excuse to get pie. So. Yeah, so speaking of pie then, what are your favorite pies? Lemon meringue pie. Lemon meringue is my favorite pie. I'm not into mm. meringue. I don't like the texture of the stuff. Hmm. I don't know. Although I wouldn't turn it down. Like if that was the pie that was here, I would. Eat I don't it. actually. I cannot recall if I've ever had a lemon meringue pie. Are you kidding me? I can't. Like, there's it's, not a time like in my a, life where like I can recall that taste. It. Yeah, I don't know that I have. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about you? What do you like? Um, I like like a like a chocolate cream pie. Yeah. You know, like, like graham a, cracker crust mm. with the chocolate. And then the, the whipped cream on top. So I I I think probably my favorite right now is uh, French silk. There's there's a French silk at Jewel mm-hmm. that is surprisingly good. And if you get it with the chocolate whipped cream on the top, um, but my sister I, this I don't think this restaurant's still around Baker Square. Like, oh, I love Baker Square. Oh, I remember French silk pies from Baker yeah. Square. Yeah, well, good. my sister worked there in high school. My older sister, so she would bring home pies after every shift that didn't get sold. And so for some reason, uh, they made a lot of key lime pies, mm. and those were always the ones that didn't get sold as much mm. as the other ones. So she would bring those back. So like I, I at first I didn't like them, and now I love a key lime pie. Mm. So that's- yeah, I like key lime pie really too. Good. See, that would when, be in the lemon meringue family. See, when I would go to Baker Square, if it wasn't like a chocolate pie, it was always a banana cream pie. That's, I like That's the, all right. I like the cream That's pies. all right. All right, well, Eric, you've got some listener feedback for us, right? Yeah, we were talking a few episodes ago about what you would do with a live elephant, so now it's time for <laughs> listener feedback. All right, so first bit of listener feedback with the question, what would you do with a live elephant from Jim? Jim says, not Pastor Jim, a different Jim. <laughs> I would recreate that story about blindfolding four people and asking them to describe it. One touches the ear, one the tail, one the trunk, one a leg, each describe it differently just to see how that would work. <laughs> of course, of course, the blindfolded guys would be like, we know what we're touching. Like we get it. <laughs> but yes, yeah, it would be fascinating to see. All right, here comes another one from Sandy. Sandy said, first I'd spend a day with this amazing creature that God created, and then I would decide what to do with it. Is that, is that, I guess we say it, Clayton. Just say it. Just say it. Is really an answer? It's not an answer. It's not an answer. Sandy, Sandy, we love you. We're glad you listened to the podcast. But that's not an answer of what you would do with a live elephant. You just delayed the decision. Yeah. So what Sandy has <laughs> revealed to us is that when put in a corner, she will try to find a way to procrastinate a decision to decide later. So, uh, I, I, Sandy, I, you got to redeem yourself now, girlfriend. Come on. Like. That's true. Sandy, you do have to you, email you, you us You get now another chance. You get another chance. And tell us because you know have now had time to think yeah, about what yes, you would do with the live over. elephant. Your day is over. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, that is all we're going to read today from listener feedback about what you would do with a live elephant. But, awesome. but of course, if there's feedback, 
Like yeah. we would love, we would love uh, to regularly have uh, listener feedback. So if there's any, anytime you respond to something on the podcast, uh, send it into us at what? Podcast at biblesavvy.com. You weren't ready for that to come no, from Clay inside of the ready. table. Were you? I, like I'm normally ready mm-hmm. from you, but that's, that's great. I'm slowly becoming irrelevant and unneeded in this podcast. Oh, oh never. Totally, never totally never. not. Well, in that, in that case, I mean, Ferris, you are the, the comma guy, so you want to tell us what we're talking about? See, you're not irrelevant at all. We need you, so. Mm, I feel so affirmed. <laughs> Clayton, you want to give me a hug? Uh, no, okay. no, not my love language. Uh, since, that, since that episode aired, I have had people at church come up and ask me, like, like did you get a hug? Did you get a hug this week? And <laughs> thankfully, they are not offering the hugs, but yeah. Somebody, they're just asking you. They're, ch- someone- they're checking to see if other people did. But they're not willing to just come up and give you a hug. Oh, they won't just do it. Mm-hmm. Some, some of them have said, hey, do you want a hug? And then it's a joke, but... Somebody starts no running at you in like the atrium with their arms spread wide open. In slow motion? Just, yeah, it's like, oh no. Just get ready, Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're in Luke chapter seven. I'm the comma guy today, uh, reading an episode here about Jesus and a Roman centurion. Uh, so we always start with the C in the comma method, which is context. So some very brief context here, just reminding us about the gospel of Luke. The gospel of Luke is introducing us to Jesus, but Luke is doing something specific with his gospel, which by the way, all of the gospel writers are doing. They're all introducing us to Jesus, but they also have a certain audience or a certain reason that they are writing their gospel. Luke is going out of his way to communicate that Jesus did not just come for the Jewish people, that Jesus is for everyone. One of one of the things that you will notice if you look at the beginning of the gospel of Matthew and then look at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, when you look at the genealogies, you will notice in the Gospel of Matthew that the genealogies dial back to Abraham. The reason that Matthew does that and stops with Abraham is Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience and wants to make the case that Jesus is the promised Jewish Messiah. And so he dials the genealogy back to Abraham, who is the person that the promise was made to. Abraham, you're going to have a big family. Your family's become a great nation, which we call Israel. So Matthew intentionally brings the genealogy back to Abraham. Luke very intentionally brings the genealogy all the way back to Adam, making the point that Jesus is for all of humankind. All right, so now we're going to remember that because we're about to read an episode here with a Roman centurion. So I just want you to keep that context in mind as we read this episode. We're in Luke chapter 7, just reading this episode, which goes through verse 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent his friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. 
All right, so we move on to the O in the comma method, which is observation. What do you see in this text? Um, one of the things that I saw, uh, the centurion, he was like a, a Roman soldier, warrior, like a leader, right? Is that what that was? Yeah, he would have been a you know a, an officer in the army with yeah. men he was commanding. So you've got uh, a Roman, a Gentile, so a, someone who is is not technically a, a believer of God or is outside of Israel, basically hearing this you know kind of like the good news of Jesus and what he's done and what he's been up to around the area, and he actually sends people to go get him. Like that's a, a display of faith right then and there that I think is is pretty cool coming from a Roman Gentile. Yeah. I, I mean, there's something really interesting about them because you think about the, the Romans and like, if you're Jewish, you look at the Romans and say, these are, you know, occupying soldiers. Like they've conquered our, our country mm. and you're not, you're not fans of them. And yet this centurion who maybe has been stationed there for a while has gotten to know the Jewish people. And he's, he's actually got enough influence with these synagogue leaders, these elders that He's, you know, he's invested, he's been a patron, you know, funding the building of their synagogue and things like that. So he's, he's obviously somebody who is intrigued by the faith of, of the Jews, you know, to say, I want to know more about this. I want to be a part of this. Uh, so there's something open about him, you know, he's, he's um, seeking. What stuck out to me is in verse four, right? So the Roman centurion sends these Jewish elders mm -hmm. yeah. to Jesus to make the request on his behalf, yeah. right? Yeah. And the Jewish elders say, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. What, what I found interesting was their assumed need to try to convince Jesus that this guy was somebody that Jesus would essentially want to do a favor for. So the assumption is he's a Roman centurion. He's a bad dude. And Jesus isn't going to want to do anything for him because Jesus came for the Jewish people, not the Roman people. And so Roman guy bad, Jesus isn't going to do anything for him. Yeah. And, and especially especially if they have any inkling that Jesus might be the Messiah or anything like that. Like if you're like the expectation of the Messiah is, well, you're the new king, right? Like you're David's heir. So what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to, you know, fight these guys off, kick them out, um, displace them. So um, even more so, he shouldn't be inclined to to hang out or help a, a centurion. You know, the interesting thing about that though, is like, so the Jewish, these Jewish elders go to him and says, this man deserves it. And then the man himself later in verse, what is that? Later in verse six is like, I don't even deserve you. I don't, I don't deserve you to come under my roof. Like it's, it's almost like this very humbling thing where he understood that these, these elders, these Jewish elders are like, yeah, no, like you owe this guy. Right. And he's like, uh, uh, uh like, I don't deserve anything from you. It's just it's just completely different shift, you know. Yeah. I don't That's a really interesting conversation about who deserves what from Jesus. That's right. Yeah. And That's any right. assumption baked into that. So if the Jewish elders think that the Roman centurion, if they felt like they had to explain why being a Roman he would actually deserve something from Jesus, there's also the assumption that if he was a Jew that Jesus would think they deserve yeah. anything that he yeah. might do for them, right? And so just the whole thinking behind what we think we deserve from God and why we think we deserve it is an interesting conversation. Yeah, and and for um, Jesus to commend the guy for saying, I don't deserve this is, you know, part of part of the message of saying, it's it's not really about your status, your, your pedigree, that sort of thing. 
Um, I I find um, the the centurion's uh, explanation for why he said, Jesus, you don't even have to show up. Uh, really, really interesting. Because uh, he intuitively gets something here. He he uses this uh, analogy of saying, look, I'm I'm in a chain of command, right? I've got, you know, he's 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 in the middle of the pack. Like he's not the general at the top. He's not the the, the grunt at the bottom. Um, he's a guy who knows when when my superior officer tells me I've got to do something, I do it. And when I tell people under my authority to do something, they do it. And so Jesus, I see that you clearly have authority. Like you, you're clearly in charge here. So um, if if it works anything like my experience, all you'll have to do is give the command and it'll get done. Like that's a that's a really amazing insight, uh, especially for someone who's at a distance and not you know not a part of the religious system or whatever. Like to see that and say, I think this is how it works. This guy clearly has authority to to say something and it happens. Yeah, isn't it interesting that? This man, the centurion's understanding of how authority works and recognizing that Jesus has authority, Jesus equates with faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. What other observations do you guys have? One of the other things that I saw there in verse um, nine is Jesus says, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. So, so going back to what you were just saying, Eric, is like, even the people of Israel, not so much like that the country of Israel, but the people of Israel did not have um, the faith that this guy had. And I, I just like, it's pretty, it's a, I think that's a big deal for Jesus to say, you know what I mean? And I'll, I'll bet you it was controversial. Like, I don't think we get, I don't think it says here what the reaction of the, the crowds would have been to that. But that's a provocative statement to point to someone who by all impressions is an, an outsider and an oppressor. Um, and to say this, this guy's got more faith than the insiders would have, you know, mm-hmm. the people yeah. like they're, they're, these are elders of the Jews. So they're, they're, you know, I, I don't want to like denigrate these guys. Like they're, they're, they're probably faithful to what they understand and know, like they've got some things they obviously need to learn about Jesus. But if they're leading in their synagogue, they're probably people who really love God and they, they care about this stuff. And so for them to hear, Say this guy. This guy's got faith like I've never seen around here. Um, that that they're going to go home and think about that, right? Like it, it's going to rattle them a bit to say what what does this mean about us? Yeah, and even later, like you know, in a chapter or two later, like you 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 hear of more stories where Jesus heals a sick woman and raises a young girl from the dead, and it all has to do with these people having faith in him, um, and they're very much so the outsiders that are believing in him. It just says like if I just if I just touch the, the 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 you know the end of his cloak I'll be healed you know what I mean like it's that kind of miraculous stuff that has power yeah the whole conversation about authority and understanding authority and the guy the centurion says well I totally get this if I say to yep. someone under my oversight go do this he does it I say it and it's done and this guy is looking at Jesus saying I think if you just say it it's done. That's what real authority is. You say something and it gets done. In the beginning, God said, Mm -hmm. let there be light. And you know what there was? There was light. God speaks and it's done. Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus and says, dead man, come out. And the man walks out Mm -hmm. of the tomb. Authority is when you say something. If you have real authority, when you speak, it causes things to happen and the connection between understanding the authority that God has and our ability to recognize that 
somehow is equated with faith. You cannot think about a faith life without thinking about understanding and submitting to the authority of God. Yeah, there, there's there's something about we we sometimes uh, use the word faith just to mean like I agree, I believe something is true, you know, like oh that fact I agree with it, um, or or even just to say like uh, I made a decision about something, but there is, there is something about the posture of faith that says, hey, when it comes to getting things done, you're going to be the one to do it because you're in charge, and so there's there's a there's a submission to that that goes beyond just saying do I think it's true. All right, well, let's move on to the first M in the comma method, which is message. And so we always want to ask ourselves, what is the main message that we want to draw from the text we're reading? So message, Nikki or Clayton? Uh, My message is our faith in Jesus has power. Uh, For me, like I thought of, just thinking of the story, I also thought of other places in the, the Bible where, I think it's James, where it says, you know, you believe that there is a God good, like even the demons believe that and like shudder. And so, but but I think like that, they believe it, but that doesn't change the way they behave or the way that they act. Um, and so for me, when our faith in Jesus leads to like this deliberate action and like living out the way that he calls us to, it's, it's a, it has power in our lives. Good. Clayton? Uh, my message is when Jesus says it, it's as good as done. So, I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's kind of what the, the centurion mm-hmm. says. Um, but I, I think sometimes we, we don't always think that. You know what I mean? Some, I, I think we might agree to it, but there are times when we've got to be reminded, like, no, really. Like, it's, like he has all the authority um, and there's, there's nothing that stops him. And if he says it, it's as good as done. And if, you, if you're saying, how am I going to solve this problem? How am I going to get through this? Where, where's, how are my needs going to be met? How, you know, what hope do I have for something? I mean, Jesus got all of it. So uh, there's something really encouraging about that reminder. Uh, my message would be anybody can acknowledge and submit to the authority of Jesus. I think often sometimes people think like, oh, that Christianity or that church mm-hmm. stuff, that's for other people. If it works for them, great, but not for me. And I think what we see in episodes like this is the most unlikely character, which would be the Roman centurion, who the Jews would think is an outsider and an oppressor, the least likely to acknowledge and submit to the authority of Jesus is the one that's actually commended in this story. Yeah. And so once again, my message is anybody can acknowledge and submit to the authority of Jesus. Okay, so we're going to move on to the second M in the comma method, which is meditation. This is prayerful thinking, prayerful pondering. This is where we are inviting the Spirit of God to open our eyes to what we're reading in the Bible, to to ask God, what is it that you want me to take away from this text, or what do you want me to do with this text? So it's kind of where your prayer life intersects your Bible reading life, okay? So uh, we hope that every day when you're reading the Bible that you take a, at least a few moments to pray through what you're reading. In the podcast episodes, we take 45 seconds to do this. And so for today, uh, we're going to kind of zo- zone in on the whole idea of faith and authority. So we're, we're, the centurion acknowledges that Jesus has authority, understands that if Jesus says it, it's done. And then Jesus turns to the crowd And he says, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. So we're going to take 45 seconds to prayerfully ponder this question. What is it about acknowledging the authority of Jesus 
that is so significant when it comes to faith? 45 seconds. Okay, so we are back after spending some time in meditation, and we move on to the A in the comma method, which is application, always wanting to ask the question, so what? What am I going to do about this? This is what takes Bible reading from just theory into actual application in our lives. So what is your application today, Nikki, from this text? Uh, For me, um, it's, it's this realization that if Jesus has this power and authority, and he does, um... What does that mean for for my life? In in essence, like how am I allowing him? How is my faith in him and this power and authority that he has um, allowing him to move and to work in my life? It's that idea of like allowing him in, allowing him in in any area of my life to come in and work out his best will for me. Um, not doing it on my own, not trying to figure it out, but inviting that power and that authority in my life, knowing that he wants what's best for me. Um, and that's in, in any area. You can really apply that to any area. Um, so that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's, that's what I think the impact is. So my, my message was that if Jesus says it's as good as done, um, and, and I think that the simple application of that is to simply pray for impossible things, you know, yeah. pray, pray for the things that you, you know, Jesus got the authority to do and, and ask for that. But while we were during the meditation time, I, uh, a connection dawned on me that, that it just was interesting. I mean, nothing, nothing, uh, surprising, I don't think, but I, I realized that connection between, uh, prayer and obedience. So, you know, it's something you have to be perfectly obedient to have God answer your prayer, but there is something really weird about, um, living disobediently and then asking God to help you with something because you say, Oh Jesus, you're in charge. So if I pray for this, you could make it happen. But it's like saying, Jesus, you're in charge in this area. When I need something, you've got authority. But when you ask me to do something, uh, I'll, I'll decide whether or not you've got authority. And so um, there, there is something to be said for saying, all right, aunt, when I'm asking for these things and acknowledging Jesus' authority in that area, are there areas of my life that I also need to say, okay, Jesus, where, where do I need to submit to your authority and be, and be like the, the good servant of the, the centurion and say, okay, you said do it, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know what a scary example of that is in the Bible? It, every time I read this text, uh, it, really, it really does strike a little bit of fear in my heart, if I'm going to be honest. It is, it is when it says we're supposed to forgive one another, mm. right? And then, so forgive one another their trespasses or their sins against you. And if you choose not to forgive other people, your heavenly father 
will not forgive you when you ask. That is a terrifying verse to me every time I read it in the Bible, but I think it's hitting on something that you're saying, which is if you're not going to acknowledge the authority of God in your life and then just ask him for stuff on the other side, that's not, I'm not quite sure that's how it works. Yeah. It's like, it's like you haven't gotten the whole, the whole package. If you, if you receive forgiveness, but don't offer it, if you ask, ask for God's authority to be at work, but you don't submit to that authority. Like there's a, there's an acknowledgement of God's place in all of this that requires a certain kind of response. So it, it, yeah. Okay. So my application is to do my best to not consciously or unconsciously write people off. So I think, I think sometimes I fall in the trap of thinking, well, that person might be more likely to want to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, that person probably not. I'll give that person a 75% chance of submitting their life to Jesus. And that person, I got them in like the 10% category, right? And so the this, this episode reminds me to not write anybody off that Jesus is for the insiders, the outsiders, the rich, the poor. We're all in the same boat. That's really good. All right, friends, that's all that we have for you this week. Thank you for listening. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. In the meantime, if you are not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. 